Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. Welcome to the Gospel for Life. Last week, we began a series on the Canons of Dort. It is the 400th year anniversary of this great historical event, and... Um, I just wanted to uh, just jump in really quickly and just apologize to our tens and tens of listeners who were um, just devastated when they realized that it was a uh, a two-week series, and then they got to Friday and realized, I've got to go through all of Saturday and Sunday with not without hearing more about <laughs> the canons of Dort, and I do, I feel awful about that, yes. and I apologize that that probably did truly ruin um, <laughs> that that those two days for you. So we're back now. It's okay. So we're for the nine listeners on. that are listening, we're very sorry that you had to wait. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So real quickly, um, Synod of Dort, can you give us a 60-second overview? Well, the Synod, Synod of Dort was a gathering of theologians uh, in the early uh, 17th century, early 1600s in the Netherlands, Holland, uh, in, the, in the city of Dortrecht. And they came together to respond to a growing, uh, what they recognized as a false teaching uh, that had its roots in a guy who was actually already dead when they came together, named Jacob Arminius. Uh, he was a teacher, a, a theologian, university professor. And what, what it's all about is the nature of salvation and God's what God does in salvation and what we do in salvation. And the Arminians were determined to... Uh, Give human beings a lot more credit. They, they, um, I won't review all of the details, but uh, they, they gave human beings more, more of a role in salvation. And the response, the reformed and, and what I believe to be the biblical response that was finally codified in the canons of Dort, which the canons of Dort were not things that fire cannonballs. They were a theological document that came out of that synod 400 years ago, which reaffirmed that salvation is of God from beginning to end. That's right. And, and it gave us what, what's often called the doctrines of grace, and it's, it's very often uh, kind of uh, simplified into, a, into an acronym, TULIP. That's right. So last time— Very quickly, I want to plug a book. Um, but for the grace of God, it's an exposition of the Canons of Dort by Cornelis Venema, who's going to be one of our speakers this fall in 2019. And if you're looking for a great historical background of the writing of um, the Canons of Dort, um, Cornelis Venema does provide that in his book. I think it's a great overall book, but it also has a good historical section at the beginning. Have I been saying his name wrong? You you call him Cornelius? Why don't you correct me, man? Well, you know... <laughs> If I get, did that all the time, we would never get anything done. <laughs> no, <clears throat> Cornelius, that would be the great theologian, Yukon Cornelius. Yukon Cornelius? Yeah, well, you remember Yukon Cornelius, don't you? No. Oh, come on, where you guys been? <laughs> Why don't you enlighten us? 
<laughs> no, you better you better okay. go back to. All right, so we started looking at uh, limited atonement last time, and as Phil Rutley said, there's probably a better phrase for that, like definite atonement. But as it is, this fits in the acronym. So this is what limited atonement teaches. It teaches that all whom God elected, Christ died for. Jesus purchased God's elect and secured their salvation through His blood and righteousness. So his atonement actually guarantees salvation. This is found in John 10, 14 through 15, Isaiah 53, 10 through 11, Matthew 1, 21. Now the opposite view, what the remonstrants held to, was that pardon is given to everyone upon the condition of repentance and faith. Christ's death doesn't guarantee salvation, but it only makes sinners savable by opening the door for reconciliation. So, what are some practical implications of this doctrine? How does this impact our everyday life? Dr. Beakey has a book called Living for the Glory of God, and in that book he has some chapters on these five points. And I think he he has a section in this particular um, chapter dealing with definite atonement, particular atonement, where he deals with what are the problems of Arminian thought. And I think he really puts his finger on the heart of it is that it really does an injustice to God. It slanders God's love. God did not set affection on, on any people. It, it doesn't save. It doesn't actually accomplish um, anything in and of itself. Um, I think it slanders his, his wisdom. So God has a plan that he can't execute it it which also affects his power i mean god doesn't have the ability to save a people yeah. mm-hmm. i mean so if you keep going through it really you really begin to see well this is going to seriously affect your view of god but it also then will seriously affect how we spread the gospel i mean so if you go around to people and, and say to them well God loves you. Well, is that is that actually true? In the essence of it? What we can say is God loves sinners. Mm-hmm. And God saves sinners. Whether he, Christ, died for every single... If Christ died for every single person, then we can say, well, God loves you generically. If you choose to love him, then he does love you. Right. Right. What kind of message is that? So yes. I, I, was, I just got to say this. We said this off the air, but everybody limits the, the atonement in one sense or another. What, what the doctrines of grace say is that the, the atonement is limited in its design, namely because it actually purchases salvation, it's limited to those whom God elected. Our Armenian brothers and sisters say that the atonement is limited in its effect, because they don't actually believe that every single person will be saved. And so only those who actually make it to heaven is those whom the atonement applies to. And just think about this biblically for a second. Over the course of redemptive history, when the Israelites were in Egypt and the Passover lamb was sacrificed, who was that blood applied to? The Israelites, the people in the home, it was not applied towards the Egyptians. When the sacrifices were made in the temple later on, who were, were those sacrifices you know, symbolized for? For the Israelites. They weren't for the Philistines. They weren't for the Moabites. Um, and then when we get to the New Testament, I'm teaching through Second Peter right now, it talks about how the fallen angels, um, you know, God did not spare the fallen angels. There was no atonement made for the angels. So we already have this doctrine of atonement being made for a specific people. I mean, really nobody should have 
a problem with this idea at least. Yeah, John, and it's also it's also a doctrine of great personal assurance that the doctrine of, of definite atonement or particular atonement, or if you're using the, the TULIP limited atonement, which as I said in an earlier show, that's, uh, that's why I don't like the acronym TULIP, just because uh, you have to squeeze, you have to squeeze the doctrines into a particular letter just to fit the acronym. And, and limited doesn't get it, uh, but particular does um, definite atonement. Uh, but this doctrine teaches me, that Christ did not come into the world to die for whom it may concern. But that when he died on the cross, he had my name in his heart. My name. Uh, that, that he knew me. And he knew exactly what he was doing. He, and believer out there listening, he had your name in his heart. He didn't die for whom it may concern. He died for you. Um, and there's such wonderful assurance in that. Uh, and once again, the, 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 the doc, we call them the doctrines of grace because they assure over and over again that my salvation is God's work and not mine, by pure grace and nothing in me. And there's such wonderful assurance in that. Uh, I, I would not give away that gift uh, for the false, for the, for, the, for the pottage of this kind of generic to, to whom it may concern atonement. There's this great verse in Hebrews 9 that says, He, Christ, entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. If we have a universal atonement where it's dependent upon faith, how does he secure an eternal redemption? Because he's hoping that somebody will believe. Mm-hmm. I mean, in Titus, it says he gave himself for us to redeem us from all un- all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession. Mm-hmm. I mean, the sense of the gospels is that Jesus Christ has come to save his people that he knows by name. I, I do not know how you read the Gospel of John and not have a sense that Jesus' life and death and resurrection and ascension was intentionally designed for a people that he knew. Yeah. Right. And that gives me confidence. That gives me hope. That gives me a foundation on which to live. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have a Savior that not only came to save a people, he came to save a specific people that he knew. And Isaiah fifty three ten is such a, yeah. a perfect picture of that very thing. So it's not it's not like hallmark sentiment to say something like, "Well, Jesus knew everyone that he would ever die for." You know, he knew the name of you when he was on that cross. Actually, the scripture says that yeah. Isaiah fifty three ten it says, "Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for sin, he shall see his offspring." I mean, Jesus had in mind all of his offspring as eternal God on his heart when he went to the cross. That's yep. who he went to the cross for. Mm-hmm. I mean, think of, think of the despair of Christ. If he goes to the cross and he's saying, I'm going to give my life and I'm hoping it does something. I mean, that's really, if you want to, I mean, that's crudely boiling down an Arminian thought. But that's really at the heart of what they're saying, that Christ has to go to Calvary's cross going, I hope this works. 
I don't think, yeah. I don't know if it's going to work, but I hope it works. Yeah. yeah. And I do want to, I'm going to make a comment about Arminianism that may not sound fair, and, and I, but I, I want to be, I want to be fair to it. Um, that the objection to the doctrines of grace in general, and, and maybe in particular to this one, to the L, to the limited atonement, is that to, to many minds, uh, it sounds unfair. How, how can God do this? And uh, I, I would want to challenge the listener, how much, of that, how much of that objection is biblical and how much of that objection is American? Uh, one of the things we have in our bones as Americans is, is an ideal of fairness. And it's wonderful uh, when we speak in political terms and, and how we organize our life together in our country as citizens. Uh, yeah, we believe in fairness and we don't always live up to it. Uh, but we believe in equality of opportunity. We believe uh, in equality before the law, and those things are precious to us as Americans. Even though, as I said, we don't we don't live up to them always, but we seek to. And sometimes we bring those American assumptions to our interpretation of the Bible. Well, Christ had to die for everybody. Uh, well, no, Christ died. For his sheep, I mean, and we we've looked at the verses, and we could go over we could go over many more, but Christ died for his people, and that's a precious gift to to his people, a precious gift of assurance. Amen, man. Seems like whenever you guys speak last, you just get these really great nuggets in for the radio. So I hope I hope our listeners are hearing those things. Well, this has been the Gospel for Life. We've been going through the canons of Dort. If you've missed any of these broadcasts, just subscribe to our podcast at the Gospel for Life. We hope to see you next time. We'll <laughs>